let's go over what happened in the previous episode. Chapter 2, Father Edwin. Io spends the entire chapter describing his relationship with Father Edwin. This chapter is the starting point for highlighting the key moments and how he evolved into the person he is today. Watch My Six is Prince Io's first book in which he unpacks his life stories and serial chucks throughout his life. First-generation Nigerian-American immigrant and DMV native hones and showcases his writing abilities while sharing relatable personal experiences. Now, let's get started with Chapter 3, Mama Oshii. In the cross of Christ I glory, towering where the wrecks of time, all the light of scared story gathers round its head sublime. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Strength to love, Dr. Olufemi Oshii Debeo Dekano, Ba, MSc, PhD. For short, she was known as Oshii. I call her Mama Oshii because she does not play when it comes to calling her Mama. Princess and Goodwin John Alukola Ayo, or Essen for short, is the name my Nigerian mother, Mama Oshii, referred to me by when I was younger. Growing up with just her and me in America, Mama Oshii was trying to survive the best way she knew how. Originally from Abuja, Nigeria, Mama Oshii was raised in Lagos until Grandpa Robert O. Devoel sent her to boarding school at the age of 12. Even though we did not have much growing up, Mama Oshii did everything she could to provide for me and give me a good life. She was my muse, emotional supporter, confidant, and caregiver. In some ways, she was more like a friend than a mother. I knew that I could always go to her for anything. She would always be there for me no matter what. Mama Oshii instilled so many values in me growing up, and I am grateful for everything she has done for me. I would not be the person I am today without her. Grandpa Deboil was a well-known Nigerian pharmacist. He was the owner of one of Lagos' most well-known pharmaceutical, convenience stores. Every summer, when Mama Oshii returned home from boarding school, she worked in the store. She would tell me about how random drug addicts would come up to the pharmacy counter and ask for opioids or oxytocin medications. She said they were strung out and their minds were disoriented. When I was younger, I used to think that Mama Oshii was trying to scare me with her horror stories. She would tell me about all the terrible things that happened to her when she was growing up in Nigeria and I could not understand why she would want to share such dark experiences with her only child. But as I got older, I began to see Mama Oshii as a person, not just a mother. I realized that she was not trying to scare me, but rather was trying to connect with me on a deeper level. She wanted me to know that she had been through some incredibly hard times in her life, but had still managed to overcome them all. And she wanted me to know that if she could survive everything she had been through, then I could survive anything too. Mama Oshii is a strong and amazing woman, and I am so grateful to have her in my life. Mama Oshii refers to me as her miracle child, which I personally believe every mother feels the same way about their own children to a degree. But she is my mother, so I accept it without thinking too much about it. I believe every mother owes it to her child to express such emotions, but I also recognize that not everyone has the same type of relationship with their mother. Usually, I would just sit, listen, and wonder if I was a burden to Mama Oshii or a part of her healing process to feel human again. That has always been my issue. I am too hard on myself. It has always been difficult for me to accept my mother's compassion. Father Edwin was never truly present but the short memories of him being present in my life left a stain on my soul. When he came to see us when I was four years old, I was playing dress up with Mama Oshii and wearing high heels. I was having a good time with my mother. Father Edwin stormed into the house, picked me up, and rocketed me out of my high heels. Mama Oshii described it as like watching a newborn bearcat being shot into space from a cannon gun. I understand his sentiment now that I am a man, but just removing the shoes and saying, hey boys, don't wear heels would have sufficed. Another time, I was in 8th grade, 
finally able to join a local youth football league after being overweight for many years. For our first home game, I called Father Edwin to tell him the location of the game over the phone. He repeatedly asked questions and said phrases over the phone, such as, why aren't you enunciating? Say your words properly. Give the phone to your mother. Hey, continuing in his embarrassment of me, he believed I was too incompetent to read and grasp some type of notion of thinking as his son. And he expressed those exact sentiments on the phone in an argument with Mama Oshi. I was befuddled then. These memories would go on to become one of my most important assets. Father Edwin was a strong believer in discipline and organization. When Father Edwin was young in Nigeria, Grandpa Ekmo made all four idle boys stand in line attentively and made sure their attire was organized. He had an itinerary for the day prepared for him as well. Mama Oshi liked it about Father Edwin. He was a neat freak, and he appeared to have some sense of direction. Some may even say Father Edwin had obsessive compulsive disorder, also known as OCD. However, Mama Oshi did not like his disappearance antics. In July of 1995, Mama Oshi found out about Father Edwin sneaking off to see another woman in Delaware. She knew about his whereabouts, but she did not have the proof to confront him about her suspicions. Father Edwin left one Friday morning in March and did not come back the following Monday. It was odd because he told Mama Oshi that he was going to bring the van back before she needed to go to work Monday morning. She was late to work because she had to ride the Metropolitan Service bus. Fortunately, Mama Oshi and Father Edwin moved to an apartment complex in D.C that was close to her job. When she got back from work, he still was not there. No voice message on the home phone. His friends did not know where he was. Mama Oshi knew something was wrong. It took Mama Oshi about two weeks to find out where he had gone. One of Father Edwin's friends explained to her that Father Edwin had been in prison for the weekend and his bond was $24,000. Mama Oshi did not have that kind of money. She was an international graduate school student on a work student visa and was only making $7,000 income from her tuition stipend. She told me she was able to make it to the county jail, but the prison correctional officers would not allow her to see him. She had no choice but to wait and get more information about his release. I never understood Mama Oshi's dedication to Father Edwin until she told me that Father Edwin had promised to take her back to Nigeria and marry her. She met Father Edwin's parents, Grandpa Ekbo and Grandma Sunday, and everything was ready to arrange the marriage or so she thought. He lied, just like he lied about coming back from a business trip to Delaware. Mama Oshi was losing a lot of trust in this man. As her loyalty and trust decayed toward Father Edwin, Mama Oshi stayed attached to him for the sake of her only son. Father Edwin was imprisoned for one year and then released on good behavior. Throughout the months of his imprisonment, Father Edwin would insist on mailing letters to Mama Oshi demanding items he needed and ordering her to do things prior to his release. The letter was the last straw for Mama Oshi. In December of 1995, Mama Oshi received a letter from prison. Without discussing how Essen and her were doing, Father Edwin requested her to bring him stuff and fetch him bail money. She realized that Father Edwin did not love nor respect what she did for him. He was selfish, and those letters were all the proof she needed. After Father Edwin was released from prison, he paid Mama Oshi a visit. He knocked on the door. Without even blinking an eye, Mama Oshi grabbed her files, opened the door, and threw the files at him. It was his background files. Mama Oshi knew everything. His past, charges, fines, who he was, everything. Father Edwin asked, how did you get this information? Mama Oshi told him that she hired a private investigator and then proceeded to tell him that it was over and to not come back until further notice. Father Edwin left. Mama Oshi got her closure. Mama Oshi and me, just the two of us. She promised to get us out of the hole Father Edwin irresponsibly dug us into. She returned the 1997 Ford van that Father Edwin had borrowed from a friend, according to him. The dealership, on the other hand, 
traced his information back to Mama Oshi. The dealership threatened Mama Oshi with phone calls stating that they would send the deaf father Edwin acquired to collectors and she had to return the van or pay the bill. They sent Father Edwin's late bills and repossession letters to Mama Oshi who was financially illiterate about the American financial system at the time and who had co-signed for the van with him. Once Mama Oshi closed the door on Father Edwin, she knew she had to detach from anything connected to that man in her name. She decided to return to the van dealership and establish a low payment arrangement with them. Once she paid 75% of Father Edwin's debt, the dealership granted her full payment because of her consistency. Mama Oshi landed a job with the government and moved us closer to the suburbs. She lost contact with Father Edwin for a few years after she would not allow him back into the house again. On the other hand, Mama Oshi was able to communicate with Grandma, Father Edwin's mother, via phone every Sunday. They had the good fortune to maintain a positive relationship. Mama Oshi recounts a phone chat with Grandma Sunday during which she asked Mama Oshi a question she will never forget. How are you going to raise a son to be a man in America as a single mother? Grandma Sunday would ask Mama Oshi on a regular basis. Her response, I have no clue, but I put my faith in God. And, ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Ephesians 6-4 You gotta just know everything is temporary. When you try to hold on to something, that's when it can destroy you. Anything. You know people, seasons, places, and things are all temporary. And that's why you have to enjoy the present. Right, Big Sean, Revolt TV. Watch My Six is a collection of short stories about Io's personal experiences as a first-generation immigrant in America, as well as self-reflection on values and legacy. Io discusses love, race, identity, monetary value, friendships, self-improvement, moral values, mental health, technological advancements, as well as other topics. He describes the book as a raw and vulnerable look at his own life and the lives of those around him. You can now order Watch My Six on Amazon Kindle. Gumroads, and other online retailers. Io is currently working on his next book, a young adult novel called The Shadow Within. The time is now. Thank you for listening to Prince Io's book, Watch My Six. We should also point out that the voiceovers for Prince and Nancy were produced using artificial intelligence, and we are still working on how to pronounce the names correctly. The AI application, called Descript, is not sponsoring us.